Let us pray. O oh Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love and strength to follow on the path you have set before us. Through Jesus Christ, amen. We read from Leviticus chapter 13, verse 1 to 3, and then verse 40 to 46. Leviticus 13, 1 to 3, then 40 to 46. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling, or an eruption, or a spot, and it turns into leprous disease on the skin of his body, he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priests. The priest shall examine the disease on the skin of his body, and if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous disease. After the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him ceremonially unclean. Verse 40, if anyone loses the hair from his head, he is bald, but he is clean. If he loses the hair from his forehead and temples, he has baldness of the forehead, but he is clean. But if there's a bald on the head or the bald forehead, a reddish white diseased spot, it is leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. The priest shall examine him. If the diseased swelling is a reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, which resembles a leprous disease in the skin of the body, he is leprous, he is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him unclean. The disease is on his head. The person who has the leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head be disheveled, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Maggie, for reading that text. An interesting test, text, part of the Mosaic Law. Good morning, friends. I would like to talk about leprosy today and the irony in God's inclusive kingdom under the title, Outside the Camp. I would like to observe that in God's kingdom, there is no alternative to welcoming those outside the camp. Regardless. In some ways, COVID-19 reminds me of HIV and AIDS pandemic in the 90s and 2000s back in Kenya, where 700 people were dying daily. In fact, coffin business in some parts of the country was booming. The president then, Daniel Arab Moy, declared HIV and AIDS a national disaster. There were fear and hopelessness as we buried close friends and family, including my blood brother and sister. I heard someone about end times, 
God's wrath, curse, and punishment of a sinful generation. HIV and AIDS was associated with moral decadence, at least in my context. Those infected were named victims. Even in churches, they were seen as those stricken by God. They were convicted and judged in our sacred, sacred courts. Just like with leprosy, people living with HIV and AIDS were isolated and lonely. I remember the words of a leading medical practitioner then who said, the stigma is killing more than the virus. There was some good news as well. A pastor in Nairobi Pentecostal Church uh, helped me think beyond fear, beyond rejection and isolation. The pastor had a special ministry. He brought together a capella band of both HIV AIDS and AIDS infected and affected people. And he prepared them to tell their stories as part of his Sunday morning sermon. In a congregation, this was in a congregation of 7, 000, I mean, several thousands, which I was part of. That morning, an unusual silence engulfed the sanctuary and a sober mood. As people narrated their AIDS ordeals, one of them was in record saying, I know as I stand before you right now, you are wondering in your minds who among us are infected and who among us are affected. There was this, there were stories narrated from rejection, stories about fear to denial to self-acceptance and even resilience going all the way to stories about people going public about their HIV and AIDS status. There was one of them who was in record telling us how they landed a job with a non-profit and were flying around the world uh, on AIDS awareness campaigns based on their life story. This was quite transformative in a concealing and judgmental culture, one that knew no other way of dealing with HIV and AIDS apart from stigmatization and victimization. Yes, a culture that looked at people living with HIV and AIDS as those outside the camp. Oh yeah, in this culture, if you, are, if you, if you contracted HIV and AIDS, if you bore children out of wedlock, if you are married a concubine, the written and the unwritten rules of the culture considered you outside the camp. We just read part of the Mosaic Law in Leviticus, and one wonders, how do we talk about uh, welcoming and inclusivity from such a text? In, 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 in the God of Abraham, I mean, it's the God of Abraham who promised to bless all the people of the earth. The same giver of the Mosaic Law will come to an interesting side of the Jewish culture. Now, if the onion and iceberg model of culture by Donald Smith on his book, Creating Understanding, is anything to go by, I will look at the Jewish culture as an onion of cultural layers comprised of artifacts, patterns of behavior, beliefs, attitudes, 
all consciously and unconsciously expressed. I'll term the Mosaic law as the core or the innermost part of the Jewish culture, the onion itself. It basically defined and controlled the Jewish life in a holistic sense. Talk about public life, talk about diet, worship, flora and fauna, education, commerce, land, agriculture, not to forget about health. And now, talking about health, this is where leprosy comes in. See the regulation about leprosy in verse 45. Thank you, Maggie, for reading. A person diagnosed with leprosy was supposed to wear torn clothes. They were supposed to stay encamped. They were supposed to cover the lower part of their mouth, of their face for that matter, and cry out, unclean, unclean, so that everybody knows that they are unclean. They were supposed to stay alone. And as if that was not enough, they were supposed to stay outside the camp, outside the community. Given the Mosaic law came in place when the Israelites were on transit from Egypt to Canaan, part of their life in the 400 years journey involved camping in places. That is, setting up camps, or rather tents, together with the tent of the meeting, which was rather set at the middle of the camp. Now, this tent of the meeting was associated with the presence of God. So, staying outside the camp, therefore, is an outright isolation from not only family, but community and society entirely. And even ultimately, it is isolation from the presence of God. In this sense, I can therefore say COVID-19 is probably better than leprosy in the Old Testament time. Now, why these regulations? Part of the expression from society of people branded lepers showed that people are smitten by God. It came as a result of Israelite sin of idolatry and unholy alliance. God is a jealousy God. They knew that. The defiling effect came in the sense that those that have it, I mean have it, are morally impure. And if you come close to them, those who have leprosy, I mean you are defiled. Please notice in the New Testament, this is not the case. Jesus is teaching in Matthew, Pauline theology of emetology, which is a study of sin. And the writing of James conveys that that which defiles is not from the outside but it is from the inside. Number two, the regulation were due to Jewish close association with Canaanites, uh, Canaanite, Canaanite deities, like the Chemosh and Diana. Please take note that Canaan is the grandson of Lot, who is a Jew. So these are the same guys. And the Egyptian, also, also, also the regulation came also because the Egyptians I mean, the, the, the Israelites had a close connection with the Egyptian and then getting into their cult of the dead. This may have intensified these regulations and the prohibitions, including other regulations that we cannot even read. There are so many of them. Regulations about mutilations and even tattoos in Deuteronomy. Now, the, reason, the other reason which is given is that the disease was contentious. 
And this makes a lot of sense. Just like COVID-19, I mean, this disease is contentious. So you have to stay away so that you don't pass it to your friend. And you're loving your, your friend by doing that. But this is okay. However, it has been interesting, and especially in our time currently, we've seen places whereby regulations about COVID have been misused. Welcome to what we call the COVID billionaires in some countries, and especially in the global south, whereby people have used the regulation to uh, restrict the poor, but allow those who have the money or have the businesses and politicians just to move around and conduct their businesses. Human art is deceitful, and people have a way to get behind rules and regulations. Again, and lastly, human tends to prefer the natural and the complete. This was probably another reason that has been given by scholars that the reason as to why we have this regulation in the Old Testament, there's a sense that humanity tends to, uh, to prefer that which is whole, that which is okay, they are good with that. But that which is not whole, they tend to have a problem with that. Yeah, this reminds me, part of the history of Uganda, it has that a military leader by the name Id Amin Dada had a secret law that required all physically impaired people begging from the streets to be ferried in trucks and taken to Lake Victoria, then dumped in Lake Victoria. Kind of a crazy law, but that is part of the history of Uganda. Leprosy has historically been associated with social stigma, even in the recent past, in India, for example, much of stigma has come from discriminatory laws dictating those with leprosy cannot obtain driver's license, ride trains, or even vote in some jurisdictions. Separating people affected by leprosy by placing them in leper colonies still occurs in some areas of India, where we have got 700 informal leper colonies today. China also, as well, we also have such kind of informal leper colonies. And it's even in some parts of Africa and Thailand. There were colonies in the United States as well. Please check out Kalaupapa in Hawaii. In the year 2015, there were about 15 lepers in that uh, informal leper colony. Some consider the word leper offensive, preferring the phrase person living with leprosy. In the Mosaic Law, therefore, there was a provision for a priestly examination. Now, to deal with this issue of leprosy, there was the provision that a, a priest examines people who seem to be affected by leprosy. This was procedural. I want to say God's welcoming kingdom is not limited by regulation. Even in Leviticus, there was a way provided for people outside the camp to come inside the camp. You look at verse 5 and 6 in the text where we've read today. People suffering from leprosy, they had to undergo examination for seven days and another seven days until they are proven, okay, they are given a clean bill of health and then they are put inside the camp. In the New Testament, we see a radical welcome. Jesus, the high priest, according to Ambrose, deals differently with the ten men living with leprosy in Luke chapter 17. 
Their healing is not based on regulation of faith, no requirement for being encamped, no requirement for covering the lower part of the mouth, shouting unclean, staying alone, or even staying outside the camp. Jesus does not require that. He tells them to go and show themselves to the priest. That's what he instructed the ten lepers. I mean, just go and show yourself to the priest who casually gave a clean uh, bill of health. He does this in context, but, does not, uh, but not based on law or culture. Notice he does not care their origin. It doesn't matter where you guys come from. This reminds me the two questions that I have been asked in the U.S. in the last three years. Where do you come from? Where are you going? Uh, I mean, when are you going back home? Jesus does not care about their diagnosis as well. He doesn't even diagnose this man. He doesn't follow the list of do's and don'ts. He recognizes he recognizes the alien, only one guy who is an alien, who comes, shows back to give thanks. And I want to say, I think he recognized him because of what he did. It was a way of showing these ten guys who are sick are not just Jewish. I mean, we still have aliens among them, but they are all people that Jesus just healed them at once without caring where they come from. They are human. Jesus champions a kingdom agenda of inclusion and welcome those and welcoming those outside and calls us to look at him as the summum bonum or the standard measure when it comes to welcoming he has set the example he's above culture though he came through it he judges our cultures our laws both written and unwritten our motives he judges them he abolished the mosaic law but affirmed the moral law or rather the principle Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. He demonstrated what it looks like for the wolf and the, uh, to live with the lamb. The leopard to lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion to live together under the leadership of a little child. What an inclusive, what a welcoming kingdom. It calls us to recognize and name both the laws and the leprosy that we attach to it and that which sends others outside the calm, culture, power place, privilege, technology, wealth, race, skin color, etc. What is that we consider leprosy in our, our, our times? If Jesus was to show up physically in this country, how do you think he would deal with the guys gobbling in Las Vegas, the LGBTQ community, the immigrants, people in reservation centers in New Mexico and other states, those going through divorce, those that have some form of physical impairment, those battling cancer and other challenges, health challenges, those that are single, those nursing sickly loved ones. Just like the Jewish culture, the world today tends to push people outside the camp of wholeness, the camp of human dignity and agency. Picking from uh, uh, our useful tool, technology, it is high-tech culture that uses technological determinism to decide on our consumption based on data from the masses. This majorly profits the tech companies sending many 
outside the camp of the haves. Even in the church, we have to continually interrogate ministries, worship practices, liturgies, and doxologies, that which exclude or send others outside the camp. Have you ever felt outside the camp? I want to appreciate this congregation. The vision on social justice, that session approved the other day. Ecological, racial, immigration, justice, under the teams and the task force that has been uh, asked to really lead this kind of a, a, a venture. All people working in those teams, the entire congregation. A lot has been happening, but let me highlight a thread. New people showing up. Some say, I heard some good things about Knox. Some asking to join justice teams. We received two in the Immigration Justice Committee just the other day. People opening to each other through one-on-one -on -one session. I, I am so much moved. The last time um, I did this, I was, I was with Christian. It was moving to realize that both of us, though very different, share in the passion of cross-cultural mission. I was thrilled when she said, I love talking to people who are not like myself. I have listened to many sermons, presentations, seen unfolding ministries in, the church, in this church, experienced events. I listened to Pastor Matt preach last Sunday. I look at the ministry trends and I am like, there is a way the spirit is moving in this place. Friends, God's kingdom has no alternative to welcome I sense we better stay on course and stay intentional, welcoming people to the transforming grace of Christ, even more than injustice, Tim. Far much better. It's almost three years when my family moved to the States. Navigating a new culture and system is never easy, not just for us, for anyone who enters in a new, in a new culture. There are moments I felt outside the camp myself. Like I said before, I have been asked by many when I'm going back. I've been in conversation that have felt like interview rather than mutual. However, I would never forget this one lady who reached out to my family and introduced us to a bookstore, then invited us to a church. She's now a dear friend. A man who spoke my wife's language and invited me in justice ministry. The genuine warmth in my small group, a leader who visited my family in hospital when our baby was born. The day I thought, uh, the day I thought was my last Sunday in Knox, the pastor invited me to pick a preaching date. And as if that was not something, my name was listed for ordination as a ruling elder. This is what Knox has been to me. Welcoming. Welcoming is a cross-cultural venture. It is hard work. It calls for conversations. Some of them can be hard. It takes us uncomfortable. When we subject it under the lordship of Christ, it is more than good deeds. It transforms those outside and inside the camp, and we are all in one in Christ. I can't thank God more just seeing people joining us in the presence of God in this congregation and just things happening. It thrills my heart seeing wonderful people, the likes of Jay. It was amazing welcoming Jay here the other day. And I love the way, uh, you know, the church officially welcomes people. 
It was amazing also seeing people like Terry, my brother Leo, Nancy, Fred, and Leslie, and Lizzie. I can't name all of them. It's amazing when this happens. Church, may the Lord bless us and enrich us. As we pursue, welcoming. But again, I say, there is no alternative to welcoming in the kingdom of God. Join me in prayer. Lord, I pray that your word may bear fruit now and even in future, in our lives, all of us. We thank you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.